Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Post bowl game edition. Uh, this is episode 16. Joining me once again is Richie Schneiderite, Chris Nowaski. Guys, uh, we did look pretty damn good in that bowl game for probably the first half of that, that Noah Bedroll interception and the half kind of turned the tide of the game. But I thought we looked better than I anticipated given how many guys we had out. Chris, you go first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, we all kind of predicted that it would be a blowout. I mean, judging by the final score, you know, it was, but really, Rutgers hung tough for you know, three quarters and considering they didn't have a lot of the best guys, uh, it was really something to be, you know, inspired for, you know, looking to, you know, looking for next year. I mean, uh, like I said, there was uh, a, a lot of young guys got a lot of, a lot of playing time, uh, especially in the secondary. Um, I have an article coming out a little bit about that. Uh, but yeah, the, the, it was, it was a pretty good game for Rutgers given on the circumstances. I mean, you know, they played, you know, 12 quarterbacks. It seemed like 12, you know, 13 guys through through a pass. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Rutgers really hung tough. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Wake Forest obviously was just too much offensively. But, um, you know, it was good to see the, you know, the Rutgers fans get down there as well. But, uh, you know, Rutgers play a play in a bowl game. You know, it wasn't the way they wanted to go to a bowl game. or But, you know, everything everything worked out in the end. They got a plan to go down there. So uh, I'm sure that, I'm sure that everyone's happy for that too. Yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on it all. They uh, they used just about everyone else at quarterback. It was pretty uh, pretty wild to see. But, uh, yeah, Gavin Wimsett didn't look bad. He had his ups and downs. It's expected. He's a true freshman. He's mm-hmm. still learning. The kid's supposed to be a high school senior, technically. Yeah. Um, I think he might be the first ever kid that played high school, a high school game, a college game, and a bowl game in one yeah. single season. Yeah, because um, yeah, he was – I think you're right. You know, second guy yeah. to enroll, you know, this early, too. So Yeah, it, it was pretty wild. Um. They showed glimpses of the future. Wimsat has a very good feel for the pocket. Yeah. A little inaccurate at times. Still has a lot to work on. Um, I know I have an article coming out later this week. I think Saturday or Sunday. I forget when I scheduled it for. With uh, QB trainer Danny Hernandez, who actually just trained, who's been training Bryce Young, the recent Heisman yeah. winner since sixth grade. So add in that, he's actually worked with Rutgers before, back in the day with Jalen Chapman. A lot of people, I don't want to talk about that one, but <laughs> it happened, so. Yeah, he works with a lot of a lot of California quarterbacks. He's got Malik Murphy, who he actually told me an interesting story about um, how Rutgers. Yeah, he was, was a big Rutgers guy, a big target yeah, early. Yeah, you'll see it in the article. But he basically told me like people would come up to him and be like, "Yeah, we know Rutgers is in your top six, but it's not happening, right?" And he's like, "No, like they're they're like right there. Like Rutgers is right there with Texas, and Rutgers is right there with uh, I forget who his other finalist was, A and M, I think, but." Mm-hmm. Regardless, it was uh, definitely an interesting piece. I can't wait to post that one. But anyway, back to the game. Aaron Young showed glimpses of what could be a three-down back next season. I don't think you really have a choice at this point. It looks like he will be your three-down back. Um, Sprinkle him with guy, of course. Uh, him healthy would have helped a lot this game. But uh, Johnny Langan, holy hell. I know people are yeah. talking about him as like a surefire, like NFL, like top four round pick that's relaxed a little bit, but <laughs> he is definitely, he definitely has potential. Like I, I, the staff figured it out. Like if he could, if he could keep developing this offseason, he could, 
be one of the best tight ends in a oof, that's a tough one actually yeah one of the best tight ends uh it'll be a solid tight end <laughs> yeah he's, i he's mean just like, he's he's a, he's a football player i mean everyone talks yeah. about him just being a football player you know you ask him you know what position he plays he says i just play football you know dude dude, dude lined up at, at you know a running back basically tight end took snaps to the quarterback ran the ball you know he caught the ball well I mean, this guy is really transformed it to be a really, really good offensive weapon. And then going, going back to Aaron Run, Aaron, Aaron Young, Richie. Uh, you know, he it was kind of it was kind of shame to see him get you know get hurt. Uh, he had the first touchdown early, early on in the game after you know the first drive. And uh, yeah, I mean, he he's going to be a good play next year with along with Kamen Uh Going back to Wimsat, I'm really glad he brought up the pocket presence. He looks really smooth in the pocket. Um, it's kind of a project in terms of you know throwing the ball, but but he does have an arm. Yeah, but uh, he is inaccurate though. But uh, yeah, he's very, very smooth and poised in the pocket. He he could run, obviously, as we saw that. You know, it kind of seemed like he was gonna get tackled, but he, you know, he kept on going in the one, you know, thirty yard run. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Rutgers offensively, they kind of hung in there. They, they used you know, Evan Simon at quarterback. Vedral played a lot. Um, I'm not sure. You know, ah, we'll talk about it later. I was just talking about. Know who's going to start next year? The first game, but that's oh. a topic for another for another day. Yeah, I think you, you clearly saw the potential oozing out of Jalen or out of uh, Gavin in this game. He had, from what I understand, he's been like a multi-sport athlete his whole high school career. Like he really didn't focus on football until like his junior year. And he, like you said, he never worked with a quarterback coach. Most of these high-level guys are like literally being like bred to be a quarterback. Like they're just, like you've probably seen those videos of like the 10 year old kids, like the next Zach Wilson kid that was like big, he was getting quarterback training at like eight years old. So like get Gavin, I think we need to give a pass because there's everything we've talked about. He shouldn't even be in college right now. That, that right breakaway run though, he doesn't look that fast, but he was running away from like every DB on wake. And he just took, Mm -hmm. he just slid at some point because he was being smart and didn't want to take a huge hit. (laughs) Johnny Langren, I think is like a, smart play callers dream like chess piece like if you look at like a sean payton offense or like a josh mcdaniels offense he's the guy that like kind of how like the patriots use johnny smith with a lineup in the backfield he can get a handoff he can run out and run out wide on a route like he's he's got a lot of physical ability and he's also just tough as hell um i thought the most impressive thing and this is kind of a, a dig at rob smith like we were able to get pressure in that game like we took away that that uh rpo uh long mesh that they wanted to run if you guys like noticed throughout the game, they didn't really run it the second half. Like they couldn't run that because we were getting so much disruption in the middle. Like they, Julius Turner did a really good job uh, just creating like constant pressure in there. So I think the defense was called really well. It's just, we didn't have the horses. We just, by the end of the game, we were just worn down, but I thought they did a, a great job game planning for this game. We saw a lot of creativity in the play calling, especially that, that uh, Isaiah Washington, like pass back to Johnny Langage on the sideline. I, I was inspired for the future in this game. Like Gavin didn't look great, but you saw the potential there. That one rollout he had on third and four, I want to say, mm-hmm. to Isaiah Washington, where he was rolling to his right and threw across his body in the middle of the field, like a perfect throw, like on a rope to Isaiah Washington. Like you saw what he could be, but I think he just he needs to be refined. And I think he's gonna get that in spring practice and throughout the offseason. I'm 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 really hopeful, even if we don't have a winning record next year, that we will be building towards something. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head, uh, especially with that last sentence. Uh, next year is going to be a lot tougher. The schedule gets really tough. You had Boston College. Um, who's coming to town? I said two Big Ten West. I think it's uh, Iowa. Uh, uh, I know they play Nebraska. 
Um, could be. I think they played. I think they do play Iowa too. Yeah. Yeah. So it gets a lot like the Big Ten West flip flops, and you get a lot tougher schedule. Um, Nebraska's coming to SHI Stadium. They're no joke. You're playing Minnesota. <clears throat> um iowa at shi is going to be tough and then you end the season like with maryland iowa michigan state michigan penn state it's it's not pretty by any means but before that you get nebraska minnesota ohio state one after another after another and it's just it's going to be a tough one it's going to be a lot of young guys um you're going to have to get them basically just experience at this point this is going to be a rebuilding year and fans are going to have to understand that um i don't see a five and seven bowl game happening again but We could dive into that one a couple episodes later when we talk, like, uh, I guess, way too early season predictions. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, you saw glimpses of what this team could do, and um, they're, they're going to have to add a couple new coaches too. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's kind of the thing I wanted to touch on next. We, we're having the first turnover of uh, the Shiana 2.0 era in terms of coaching staff. So we have three conf- – well, we have two confirmed coaches leaving so far, Rob Smith and uh, Adam Shire, the special teams coordinator. Um, there's been some kind of speculation that we might not have a full-time special teams coordinator role moving forward. Do you guys, are you guys hearing the same thing or is that, is it kind of like amorphous right now? It's just, I know Greg keeps everything very close to the chest, but are you guys hearing anything regarding, uh, potential replacements along any of these roles? Um, you want me to go first or go to Um, I mean, I, I haven't heard the whole, like, he's not going to have a special teams coordinator. I do think you kind of need one. But it, it, I guess technically he has done it before. So I, if you have a QC and you're going to pay him enough, like I know the rumor was that Adam Shire was going to stay on staff. And if he stayed on staff, great. That's perfect. Like you could pay him as whatever his rate was, 250, 275. Keep him on staff as like a QC or an analyst or whatever you want to call it. And then there's your special teams coordinator. Now, if you can get another top tier recruiter, it's hard to say like, it's hard to really say like you need a special teams coordinator. It's like recruiting is at the end of the day, most important thing. Um, in terms of who's going to replace him, I have no idea in hell. Greg is being so close to vest with this stuff. <laughs> but um, I was doing some digging yesterday, and there, there is a couple new names I was I started looking at. Like one is um, one is I didn't mention on my hot board, which I probably messed up and probably should have. Uh, Billy Miller, the IMG Academy special teams head coach. Now the connection with him is that he was Greg's special teams coordinator down in uh, Tampa. And he also okay. was a, he also was a GA with Rutgers. Uh, I forget what year it was. I had it pulled up too. He was the special teams coach at Rutgers. It says on his IMG profile. Maybe, not, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. There. There you go. Um, yeah. So it, it's it's an interesting name. Um, other than him, I mean, there's some other ones. I guess you could technically steal Bob Ligasheki Ligasheski out of uh, Syracuse. He just got hired by Syracuse like two weeks ago, three weeks yeah. ago, whatever it was. But he also was uh, Greg's other special teams coordinator down in uh, Tampa. Um, I don't see a guy like Darren Rizzi leaving. There's no way in hell anyone from the NFL that is a full-time special teams coordinator is just going to be like, yeah, I'm going to Rutgers. Like, and he's he's like like one of probably the top five special teams coordinators in the NFL. Like he's stuck around in, in New Orleans for a long time on that staff. And typically that means you're really good at your job. Yeah. So like it, it makes no sense. Like why would you even bother like leaving if that was the case? Um, there were some other names I have pulled up right here. Uh, someone else. I can't remember who it was. Where the hell is it? Uh, whatever. I'll figure it out later. I'll post it on the boards or something. But um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I don't know necessarily what they do with special teams. Now going to defensive coordinator, this is where things get tricky. 
People think because DJ Durkin is now the DC at Texas A&M that Elijah's just going to be like, I don't want to be here. Fuck this. Is that final? Um, it's tweeted by Thamel. So, yeah. I've seen, I've seen okay. a couple of reports about yeah. that. Yeah. So, basically, yeah, it's, it's like final. But, um, yeah, do people think like Elijah's just going to be like, I'm out. Like, fuck this. Like, no, stop. Like, Jimbo Fisher loves Elijah Robinson. Like, yeah, would he, should he have given him the DC job? Eh, it's a risk in the SEC. You can't just promote a guy that has zero experience. Let him work under Dirk and let him keep going up and up and up. And mm-hmm. they have enough money that they could just probably pay him like the DC or very similar at least. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the, the tears that he might have will be dried by the extra 200, 300 K that you probably get. So, yeah. So, so that's a tough one. Um, I don't see Elijah coming. If you could get Elijah, that'd be huge. But at the end of the day, you have your South Jersey guy. I, I wouldn't complain. Um, you got Fran Brown. He's going to be able to dominate pretty much. Um, I do think Temple is going to be a little bit of a thorn in their side because they are adding some nice pieces over there. Now, at the end of the day, is a kid really going to choose Temple over Rutgers? Probably not, but I could see maybe one kid every couple cycles being like, I'm going to be the, the new face of Temple or something like that. Yep. So that's going to be a little bit tougher. But um, in terms of other D.C. candidates, um, I'm hearing Partridge's name. Now, if he doesn't get the D.C. job at Ole Miss, that's where it gets interesting. Because I heard yep. that he would be pretty pissed off if he didn't get it. But at the same time, Kiffin is going to do whatever it takes to keep him and Watson on board. Watson is a key piece in this cog. A lot of people I was going to say, it sounds like they are very inextricably tied. Like wherever yeah. one goes, the other will. That, well. That's where it gets interesting because he is a key piece in that, in this whole thing that Watson is arguably one of their better recruiters on staff. He's just not an on-field coach, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Like he's, he's ranked in all these top 30 under 30 US. I think he's in the higher, or the, the higher half of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very well known for recruiting defensive linemen. He's a big reason why they have Taiwan Malone in the first place. Mm-hmm. He's a big reason why they're arguably the favorite right now for uh, Sadir Mitchell. So, I mean, you and East, it's such a tough call. If you can, if Greg can get him on as DC, Get Partridge on his DC. He's bringing Watson with him, mm-hmm. and that would go back to the rumor that everyone keeps talking about. But Panago is probably not being here, right? Mm-hmm. So he I was mean, at it, Rutgers prior, right? Uh, Watson. Watson, yeah, he was yeah. at Rutgers. Uh, he was a GA under Corey Brown. Under under Ash, right? Uh, um, yeah, Chris Ash, but I, I meant Corey Brown, the D line coach. But uh, yeah. Yeah. if if you win those two, you're probably getting Igbenosin to start. Yep. Let's just start with that one. That's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um. Shout out to him. I kind of feel sorry for him after everything that just happened. He just tested positive, so he's going to be out of the bowl game this week. Oh, uh, he was like one of the top performers down there. I've seen yeah, like so many tweets of like his like practice videos and stuff. Yeah, um, I know our rivals, national guys that are down there, uh, had him as a top performer uh, after day one of practice. Um, Ryan Patty actually is set to go down there today or tomorrow. I forget. So he was going to go cover that announcement. I don't know what the deal is with the announcement now. If he's having one, not having one, right. I, I, I don't really know. My, um, my guess would be probably no, but that's just a, yeah, that's, that's it, tough. it's tough. Cause he, the kid loves the spotlight. So if he could <laughs> figure it out, I think he'll, he'll find a way to do it. Um, regardless, uh, if you and these, you and Partridge and watching, you get Igbenos in the start. You might be the favorite for Sadir Mitchell if you get them to. Mm-hmm. So I did want to talk about that situation. So say, so it's a little bit different because signing day in February, you have to if you sign an LOI, you're you're attached to that school. It's binding. Yeah. Um, but that obviously doesn't happen until February. You could sign the grant and aid paperwork where you lock into a certain school in a conference. And I'm which told if he's, he's not, he's not doing that regardless. I was told he's not going to do that. Okay, yeah. then this is kind of pointless. 
So he's literally just enrolling at a school. And I don't, can you enroll at two schools and just be like, yeah, I'm going to that one. Um, well, the, the grant and aid paperwork locks you just into that school in that conference. So if he signed that paperwork for Ole Miss, that means he can't go anywhere else in the SEC, but he okay. could also sign it at, at a different school. So if he well, signed with Rutgers and Ole Miss, he's locked into those two conferences. So he could still go somewhere else. But yeah, I was told he's basically just applied for both. And it's just like, he's going to get accepted, obviously. But um, yeah. it's more like, he's just going to pick and he's just going to enroll. Like maybe, <laughs> not, maybe he won't enroll day one when, Enroll when the semester happens. Maybe it might be is like he, day two or day three or et cetera. I don't even know when the semester it, starts for Rutgers. Isn't it early enrollee though? Uh, yeah, he's an early enrollee 100%. So that's where it gets interesting. Okay. Like we'll probably know where he's going if he doesn't announce on Saturday. Right. We'll probably know that by Monday, maybe tops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The spring semester because, starts at some point this month. So yeah, I don't yeah. know when exactly, but it's going to be usually like 20th or around that time frame, something like that. Yeah. So, so now. Sorry. There's also rumors that uh, Jimbo Fisher wants Partridge as well, I'd heard. So it sounds like Partridge is getting pulled in a lot of different directions. I'd imagine if he doesn't get the DC role in Ole Miss, either he's going to be a DC somewhere or he's going to leave for more money. That's kind of what the read from everything I've been reading online. Obviously, that might not happen, but I can't imagine Igvinus and and landing up landing at Ole Miss if those guys aren't there, regardless if he goes to Texas A&M, Rutgers, right? Yeah, probably, probably not. Um, I think, uh, I don't know. Lane Kiffin's done a hell of a job, so he might be able to land Igmanosin regardless. Um, but at the end of the day, if Partridge goes to Rutgers, I think Igmanosin goes to Rutgers. If not, I, and Partridge hypothetically goes to A&M, I don't, I don't know where he would fit because I don't think they have an open spot. But uh, it, hypothetically, he went to A&M. I, I could still see Igmanosin choosing Ole Miss. He loves Lane Kiffin, though. Lane Kiffin is one of the best recruiters out there, whether people want to admit it or not. Is he slimy? Does he piss people off? Yeah, probably, but he's, he's good at his job. He just gave Ole Miss one of their best seasons in what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even know, 20 years? Yeah. Maybe? So they've had three 10-win seasons <clears throat> since 1971. Yeah. This was one of them. Exactly. So, so it's like – I, I can't understand. Like, I, I saw the post on the board. One guy said that, like, the old Miss Boosters pissed at Kip Kiffin. Like, you think Kiffin gives a fuck? No. He's and do you think the, the people like, at Oxford care either? It's, no. They only care about winning. You got us this 10 is, wins. Let's go. Let's yeah. keep riding. Remember how hard they fought to keep Hugh Freeze, even though he was, like, one of the biggest – he was, like, texting, like, prostitutes on, like, a, an old Miss phone. Right? Was that was, was that what's going on? Yeah. I think that's what it was. That's so bad. And now yeah. he's at Liberty where he yeah, does, no, where he does yeah. it publicly. Yep. Oh, geez, that was a rough one. But uh, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do for DC. I guess you could still reach out to camp, uh, Ant Camp over at Miami. Mm-hmm. But again, like these guys, are, once they're in the NFL, they realize how easy it is to actually focus on coaching and not recruiting and coaching. Yep. And it's like, fuck that. Why the hell would I do that? Especially with NIL, I wouldn't want to do that right now. No, and in the NFL, you actually get time off. Like when the season's over, you you know, there's OTAs and minicamp and stuff like that, but you have blocks of time where they don't expect you to do work. <clears throat> college is legitimately 24, seven, 365. Yeah, yeah. You're always recruiting somebody some, mm-hmm. somewhere. So absolutely. Yep. So, so that opens up the question is Bob Fraser, probably the best bet. Probably. If, if, if you strike out on Partridge and Robinson, I guess. Yeah, probably. I would go Fraser to be honest mm-hmm. and then just go hire a recruiting shark. Who's an assistant coach. Um, I know if you don't have a special teams coach, that could open up hypothetically two position coaches. 
and then you could just kind of mix and match. Like people are like, yeah, but why would we add another DB coach? Well, if the guy's a hell of a recruiter, who the hell cares? Put him at cornerback. Exactly. Put him at safeties. I don't know. But it, there's there's so many stupid titles out there that like there's an inside wide receivers coach for one team. Really? That's, that's been I, Texas Tech's thing for a long time. Well, like you don't really do anything. Like, <laughs> well, there's a wide receivers coach. He's gonna do that. You're not like, yeah, cool. You're just gonna handle the slot guy. That's it. Like, <laughs> it's it's all bullshit. It's just like here's an interior defensive line coach. Like, yeah, this guy's gonna handle the line, but you are gonna handle the tackles. <laughs> like, come on, are you really doing it? Like, uh, what was the one? One was like the most notable ones. Always like DC and outside linebackers. Mm-hmm. Is he really doing mm-hmm. anything? It's he's running the entire defense at that point. Who cares? Yep. Just a title and a pay bump at the end of the day. That's all it ever is. But yep. So if, if Brain gets like a co DC role, he's not probably <laughs> calling the defense. It's just a way to get him more money and justify it. Yeah, and you you can figure out those titles, and it's just like I don't even know if I would. You can give him code DC. I, I might try to like assistant head that, coach. That. Yeah, I might give him that yeah. for now. And like, you're the associate head coach. I'm going to put your name right here, but code DC is right there. That's next, buddy. And yep. It's like, no, like, just here's more, here's more money. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't there like a, a, a bit on the office about that where, he, you know, he's, he's fighting for a raise, but all I can give him is like a title change. And yeah, takes it. yeah. It's like the stupidest thing ever. But uh, <laughs> I, I do think that it's interesting. I do think Rutgers might have more money than people think at this point, just because like, if you're going to rock without a special teams coach and you're just going to pay some dude like 250 to 300, just to be an off the field coach. It's like, all right, now, now you're playing big ball. Now it's about time that we, uh, we see Rutgers any up a little bit. So if they could do that, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if it's going to work out. I do think they might end up or uh, hiring a special teams co- coordinator at the end of the day, but who knows? We'll see at this point. Yeah, more to come. I'm sure this uh, will be kind of moving quicker. I know that they're off this week, like Shiano gave the staff off, but they have the uh, the, na- the National Coaching Clinic, the co- coaching convention that happens, I think, on the 8th and 9th, which is, what, this weekend already? That's in yep. Texas. Yep. That's usually where a lot of the, uh, the new hires happen throughout the, the college coaching landscape. So... We'll probably hear something in the next week, if I had to guess, about one of the, the open slots. Yeah, um, I'd probably say that's pretty accurate. Uh, you'll probably see a couple of player development guys leave and move on or move somewhere else. I know we saw one already in uh, Andrew Pierce. Andrew Pierce. Yep, he's yeah. the RB coach at Delaware now. Yeah, Delaware's going to be decent now. I'm intrigued to see them just because mm-hmm. Ryan Cardi is the guy that we've been hyping up for years and upon years upon years as an OC genius. Yep. And a head coaching job. So see what happens. Yeah, Delaware is one of the better FCS jobs in the country. They always have, you know, a ton of talent. There's like a weird obsession in Delaware with UD. So a lot of their top kids end up going there, even some kids with FBS options. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I remember, I remember, before, you know, uh, uh, the season when, when Buckers was playing Delaware that it was a game where, like, you know, Rutgers can't, can't take them lightly. You know, it was one of those. Yeah, it was just basically one of the games, one of those games. It wasn't like them playing Wagner, you know, next season. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'd rather play a Wagner than a Delaware each year. Everyone looks at them as the same, basically, as FCS schools. Mm-hmm. You play an FCS school close, you look bad. It, you know, you just have to beat the shit out of them. Like we beat the shit out of Delaware, and that was, right. you know, what they came here for. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what Rutgers is hoping for. So. Yeah. 
they was, they just want to win on the uh to get the, you know they want to win to get the six wins basically it's all basically yep. all it's for. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit of transfer portal stuff. So we obviously the, the the high school recruiting class is basically finished. Other than is if if uh, Davison wants to join, they'll hold a spot for him as long as he's available. Um, we've been following a lot of wide receivers, a lot of offensive linemen, a handful of linebackers and defensive linemen. Are you guys hearing anything on the transfer portal? Any new names that we should be taking a look at? Any because we do we did have a, a new offer uh, from JD Dorenzo, who is a St. Joe's Hamilton grad who was uh, at Sacred Heart the last four years. He's a standout offensive lineman. Uh, but that seems to be the last offer we've sent out since the last pod. Yeah, it, it's tough. I know someone commented on it on the Asta experts. They're like, they only sent out seven offers so far. It's like, yeah, no, not really. Like, yeah, we've only been able to find and report seven offers so far, or eight maybe. I forget if Dorenzo's seven or eight, but yep. um they're, these kids aren't like high school kids. They're not going to go out and like tweet out all their offers. It's not like they have a bunch of transfer profiles everywhere that are like, oh, hype them up, hype them up. Like they're at the okay. point where they're either a year in, two years in, some are even a semester in, and they're just they're ready to get on and move on to their next school. And they don't they don't really care about tweeting and all this stuff and all this nonsense. So there's probably a lot more offers out there than we think. I know I talked to an offensive lineman the other day. Doesn't hold the Rutgers offer. But he told me he holds about like 25 different offers from schools, wow. like 10 of them, 10 to 12 are power five. And it's like, he just doesn't care. He told me, he's like, I just want to get this done and over with. I don't want to make all the nonsense, make all the noise, do all these crazy interviews all over again. Mm-hmm. So you, you won't see a lot of these kids report offers. But uh, speaking of J.D. Dorenzo, the most recent one, Patty's supposed to talk to him today around around right now, actually. Um, so oh, nice. he should be getting back to me soon. Uh, we're probably going to post that as soon as possible. Uh, I don't know where his status is with Rutgers. I know um, he's obviously a St. Joe's Hamilton kid. They have a little connection there. Uh, I know Keyshawn Griffin. He goes. Keyshawn Griffin went there. There's a Kylon mm-hmm. Lewis is an assistant coach there. Oh yeah, he was the South Carolina Rutgers guy. Yeah, yep. he went to South Carolina yep. then Rutgers. Yep. So yeah, he, he's an assistant coach down there. So there's a couple connections. It's it's possible they land him, but. Um, I know me and Mike have talked about it a little bit, uh, based on what we've heard, it's just, he's not super like location. Isn't a super big factor in terms of his decision. So I don't know if I'd put the, take it to the bank on this one by any means. Um, so it's going to, it's going to be tough. Rutgers is going to just keep pursuing. I think it's going to be an offensive lineman. It's going to be a linebacker and it's going to be a wide receiver. And I think that's the three after that, you can kind of pick and choose and be a little picky. Um, obviously, you want they want a tight end and Steven Stellanos, but do you really need one with Johnny Lang in there? Mm-hmm. Probably not, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they still have Matt, Matt Alimo and Victor Kanopka coming up. I'm intrigued to see if Alimo stays on. Yeah, okay. I, I am really, because he's, he's obviously losing snaps right. each and every game. Um, Johnny Langan clearly has passed him, surpassed him by miles. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's I do think Lang or not Langan, uh Kanopka's gonna pass him too. Kanopka's been pretty pretty good blocker so far. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there. But uh and then you're adding did they add a tight end in this class? They did, Mike Higgins too. So yep. it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting. I I do think those three positions are the priorities. After that, you kind of mix and match to choose maybe a fourth or fifth guy. I don't see them going really past five transfers in at least. I do think you're still gonna there's still a lot of guys that need to transfer out to just even get to the 85 mark. So we'll see. It's, it's going to be an interesting uh, couple months, I guess. Yeah. And that's a good point about the offer thing. Like I, 
I get pretty into the who, who's following who and whatever. And it does seem like there's some people who really do like the attention. Some people, I feel like if they post one offer, they're obligated. They feel obligated to post them all. Um, Cause I, it sounds like that guy, JD DiRenzo isn't like a, an attention seeker, but he posts his offers. Whereas a guy like uh, Brendan Rice, Jerry Rice's son, uh, he entered the all transfer right. portal. He's a freshman from Colorado. And he's like, for the people who are like wondering, like I have 30 plus offers. I don't feel the need to post them all. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of that. It's, yeah. it's, it's overwhelming. Like this is still something that's very new. So a lot of these guys, like, do you remember the article about uh miles Frazier? He, he had like 12,000 messages on Instagram yeah, and, it, and Twitter and everything. It's ridiculous. And then that's an FIU kid from a one mm-hmm. eleven football team. Like that's just one example of one kid. Like it's insane. The whole thing is nuts. I, I kind of hate it to be honest. <laughs> yeah. It, I wish there was a more structured way to do this. There was an interesting name that entered the portal today. It doesn't look like we've started following him yet, but he's a name that we probably all remember. Uh, he's an Erasmus Hall kid, uh, Sean Ryan. Do you remember him? The wide receiver originally yeah. went to Temple. He's at West Virginia. Did, I don't. Uh, did he ever do anything at Temple? I know he kind of sucked at West Virginia to be nice. <clears throat> so he didn't do much. He transferred after his freshman year at Temple. He actually had a decent year last year for West Virginia. So he had 25 catches, 399 yards, three touchdowns. He graded out pretty well, too. He graded out at like a, a 68 on PFF. That was his career high. So he's not bad. He was in like the upper quarter of uh, wide receivers, according to the PFF grade. So, I mean, he'd probably play here. Uh, he's only got one year left. Obviously, the Erasmus Hall connection. <laughs> Who knows if we'll go after him? It seems like we have been setting our, our hopes pretty high on the guys we have targeted. Like, there haven't been anybody – that I've looked up and been like, why the fuck would we want this kid? Like, it's always been like, oh yeah, he would definitely start here for the most part. Yeah, um, he's good. Like, uh, I mean, I remember him in high school, he was good, but I, you know what I also remember? I remember Chris Ash, like almost passing on him or actually yep. passing on him and then reigniting it like very late and be like, oh no, we need you now. Like mm-hmm. you the, the same thing he did with like every other kid. It's like, yeah, we don't need him. And then February or December comes, it's like, fuck, we don't have anybody. Yeah, we can't flip this Miami of Ohio recruit who's committed to Northern Colorado. What are we going to do? So which one was that? There was one that they couldn't flip. That was like a G5 kid. Yeah, it was he. So Miami of Ohio, like 1 in 11 or 0 in 12. And they had a a commit from Colorado who we were recruiting. And we weren't able to flip him. That's so bad. I remember that. That was so, so bad. Like, that's that's embarrassing. (laughs) You're like one, why offer him two? If you're gonna go after a kid like that late in the, the process and you don't land him, that makes it look so much worse. You might as well just not even go after the kid. That's gonna be the case. Um, so yeah, so in terms of like visits for these kids, is there any sort of like planned visit schedule, or is it basically like whenever this kid says? If we're interested in him, this is say he only can visit on like a random Thursday. That's just when the staff's going to have to be there. There's no like this. This isn't like high school recruiting where there's a big visit weekend they try and get kids to go to. So, so I think technically they can visit as early as this weekend, but obviously with the coaching convention, um, all kinds of other things, they they can start visiting whenever. Actually, it's just there's just it's weird. Like you said, they're on vacation. They kind of they need a break. I mean, these guys have been going at it for what? six months maybe seven months no something like that yeah and Shiano said that it was like the hardest week of his career leading up to that bowl game 
Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's definitely hard to prepare a team that hasn't practiced in a month and yeah. then you're missing guys. These guys never played a single starter snap before. And now you're like, go, you're going to go play 40 snaps. Um, Desmond Ingram for example, is a guy who we didn't see much of this season. We saw him in oh a couple of God. Games. He was phenomenal he in that game. It's like, it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. And then he just looked, I think he had the highest PFF grade, if I recall. Yeah, I believe That's, so. I mean, he he flashed the most for sure on the team. Like yeah. of anybody on the entire team, he was the guy who was like, who is that? Because he's changed his number also. Because he used to yeah. be 34, I think, and now he's number four. So yeah. it's like, who the hell is this? Well, I know a lot of people, I don't know if it was on the live stream last week or if, or two weeks ago or whatever mm-hmm. it was. But I remember, I, I don't, I'm going to pat my own uh, chest here. Um, we, uh, <laughs> I, or some one of us said, I think it was me actually. I'm not 100% sure that said that Igbenosin could push for starting playing time next year. He should be a starter. Like, there's nobody that brings what he brings in the secondary. Who you mentioned? Uh, Avery Young. Yeah, I agree. But and like, I, Izzy's undersized, but he's a playmaker. He's a short mm-hmm. tackler. He's fast. Like, I would debate putting Avery back at corner. I hate to say it. Yeah. But like, it's, it's interesting because your cornerbacks next year are. Max Melton, Kasan Abram, and then Longerbeam? Longerbeam, yes. probably. Longerbeam, Longerbeam Braswell. Yeah. I know um, I'm actually talking to Braswell's trainer. He said he is fully healthy. Uh, as of yesterday, he was telling me about it. He goes, he's 100%. He's ready to go. Very excited. Um, I'm intrigued to talk to him more because I'm going to have an article on him next week. But uh, I don't know how much he was really with the team, which is, like, weird to me. Because, hmm. like, we, I don't recall seeing him in any of the practices – I know he's injured, so I guess you don't have to be there technically. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't recall even seeing him around the program. But then I saw a picture of him another day in a work in like the whole Rutgers like I don't even know what you call it a workout uniform. I guess at this point. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm intrigued to learn more about that. But it does seem like he's still on the team as of right now. He's still on the roster. So I'm intrigued. Uh, he's he's a very good player, and we saw him uh, shine his freshman year at Temple or sophomore year at Temple. One year he looked good, the next year he looked bad. Yeah, he he did have a a really standout year where he had like he led the team in interceptions and past breakups. Like he was pretty good. I think it was the same year where like Ifan Major played played really well. So that was that was two years ago. Yeah, I remember I remember talking to the Temple guys and they told me when he was CB two, like he was phenomenal. When he Mm -hmm. they bumped him up to CB one the next year, it's like you know. Yeah, Yeah, he was primarily their slot corner, I believe, or their nickel corner. So, I mean, um, put him in that role. And then you have Kassan Abram, who's been mm-hmm. pretty damn good this season. And then Max Melton, when not being stupid, is pretty damn good, too. And you still yeah, have secondary still, you also have Elijah Clark, who who can play, you know, you know, safety or cornerback, really be phenomenal. I know he was, he was banged up a little bit this year, even in the in the spring, too. I remember asking kind of about him. Uh, you know, he was he was banged up then, too. But, yeah, he's a good player. I'm sure he'll he'll, he'll fit somewhere, too. Yeah, and Loyal played his first minutes. Loyal, the Loyal game, played like, well, yeah. Yeah. Like our, our secondary low-key could be pretty good next year. Like not top of the Big Ten level good, yeah. but like competent, like where it's just not a sieve anymore. Yeah. And I think it's, that comes out. It's a lot of, a lot of young guys who got a lot of experience this season. So, I mean, it only, it only bodes well for the future. Now it's the linebackers that are question mark. Mm-hmm. Like Powell, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of good talent at linebacker coming in, you know, and, yeah. and, and on the roster, but young, but they're young. So that's why they're, Obviously, going in their transfer portal looking for like an older guy. Yeah. yeah, the future is bright at linebacker for sure between Powell, Banton, Anthony Johnson, and, and Moses Walker. Um, but like you said, I think it, we're going to see a lot of similarity between like 
the, the DBs this year and the linebackers mm-hmm. next year where there is guys who flash like once a game, you're like, holy crap, he's really good. And then mm-hmm. we have struggles, but. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Powell's been phenomenal. I don't even think we have to talk about defense. I think they're all pretty young. They're all going to be developing. They're all going to be a solid defense. Once again, it's just their, their offense is so questionable. You can't protect Wimsat. You are fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You need offensive line and you need to give them some playmakers. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we got you got one in Langan. You got Aaron Young look pretty good. It's just a receiving core. Like mm-hmm. Shamin Jones didn't look eh. This like this entire season he was eh. Like he had yeah. what one one hundred yard game, maybe two. He's got to step it up. Um, Joshua Youngblood kind of came on in the bowl game a little bit, but then he had the fumble, so it's like eh. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was good. To, I was actually I'm glad you mentioned it. It was it was good to see a Youngblood you know returning kicks. I know a lot of fans have been asking about that. And uh, yeah, he looked he, he looked pretty good to be honest. He, yeah. I think he had like over over twenty yards average on the on kick return. So that fumble, I mean, rightfully so. He, he was fumble. first team All Big Twelve kick sure. returner his freshman year. Like clearly showed he could do it. And then he comes here, mm-hmm. and we have two or three guys ahead of him in the pecking order. Just it yeah didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. He crewed shanks to be healthy next year. That's that's the big key. If you want to make any type of noise whatsoever on offense, you need 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 him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you definitely won't see him in the spring. That's for sure. It's a shame because I think the two guys we probably didn't talk about the mo- or I'm trying to think the two guys that you probably need the most next year in Munnerlin, who's gonna who looked really good in a couple practices. I guess we could talk about that now. I don't really know. Yeah, sure, it's over. <laughs> it's over, I guess. But he looked really good early on, all throughout training camp, and then boom, injury. It's like fuck. yeah, the staff the staff was very high on him. Uh, I know player. one of the coaches even mentioned to us before training camp that uh, that that Munderland was one to watch. Yeah, yeah, there was whispers of like a secret weapon on offense, and that was the rumored guy. And so it sounds like he was the the standout young guy, mm-hmm. tall, quick, yeah, pretty good hands, just a little skinny, little rail mm-hmm. thin. But uh, yeah, it kind of sucks to lose him. But I mean, is he going to be healthy by training camp? I with today's like today's day and age of like like uh, medicine, I think you would say yes probably yeah i think the interesting thing with him was that i mean he was a lightly recruited guy out of ohio he was announced as a tight end but basically like a week into him being on campus they switched him to wide receiver which means he's a way better athlete than they could have anticipated yeah so that's a huge plus like he's he's gonna he's gonna make an impact i feel because you don't typically move guys up at an athletic tier like if a guy you know is announced as a defensive lineman, you don't see him switch to linebacker, for example, or you don't, you don't see like a linebacker switch to corner. And that's kind of what like moving to tight end to wide receiver is. It's just your, your athleticism is better than the position would call for, for the most part. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to be a really good one. As long as he uh, heals up and everything, add him, him, adding Kruitschenk. They still, they're still very high on Brandon Sanders. I don't know why, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess his uh, numbers, I, like he had put I up. Think- is he back next year, though? Yeah, he's back. One yeah, year. I thought, okay, I thought he was a grad. I, he was, I know he was a PWO technically when we first talked to him, but I, I'm fully convinced him and Howard Pierce are on scholarship at this point. So oh, that yeah. adds to the number two that we don't know what the fuck this number is. And Shiano math is is a weird type of math. It's harder than algebra. It's harder than pre-calc, I heard. But <laughs> I don't know. Shiano always figures it out though he's (laughs) he doesn't cheat in that sense but he always is very creative when it comes to scholarships Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a tough one he uh he's unique with it i'll give him that yep 
some more to come on the football team. Uh, basketball, we had a an 18 day uh, layoff or layover or whatever you want to call it uh, due to COVID concerns. The last game, we had a we had a break between the the Seton Hall game, which was played on December 12th, and the main game was played on December 30th. Yep. And it seemed like all the team needed was some time off. I don't know how much practicing they were doing, how much game planning they were doing and change. You don't really get this big of a gap in a basketball season typically, but they look like a totally different team since they came off that break. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a kind of like a you know, both sides of the coin. Obviously, you don't want to have the pause for for COVID. But um, as far as you know, Geo Baker was saying kind of was like a blessing in disguise, at least for him. Uh, you know, he has hamstring injury. And then, you know, they came out firing in that main game. You know, they they really shot the ball well. Um, you know, the last three games, uh, they have had over – they've had either 20 or more assists, which has been done in, in more than a decade. You know, I wrote that in an article that's, that I wrote up this morning. Um, yeah, they just really shot the ball well, um, sh- sharing the game, as, as Coach Pucolo says. Um, you know, they, they really need these wins, especially last night against Michigan, first ever win against Michigan. Um, you know, if Rutgers wants to be in the NCAA tournament conversation again, like we all thought that that was dead, you know, a couple weeks ago. I mean, they need to, you know, string together a couple more wins. They have some, you know, teams coming up in the season, uh, you know, in the near future that they'll be able to possibly do that. You know, they can't lose on Saturday against Nebraska. That'll be another killer, almost like a Lafayette type 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 killer for the for the resume. But um, yeah, it was good to see them win last night. Uh, the rack was, you know, had a, had a, had a good crowd there. And, uh, yeah, they came out firing, shooting, shooting the ball again well from three. You know, they got out to a big lead. Um, every time Michigan kind of kind of came back, you know, they came – you know, Rutgers punched them right back and, you know, hit a three or, you know, got foul, made some free throws, whatever the case might be. You know, they play really good defense. Um, I know Michigan was kind of undermanned a little bit, but, uh, you know, a win's a win. And, you know, this – you know, the standings won't, won't reflect who Michigan has, who Michigan doesn't have. So, I don't know, there, there was a little bit of a, like, skirmish a little bit at the end of the game. Um, I personally didn't see it until afterwards, uh, but I think it was just, you know, kind of kind of Michigan kind of playing hard to the end. And, you know, there was a you know screen on Caleb, you know, with a couple seconds left. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's something we can revisit down, down the line when <laughs> Rutgers plays them again. Yeah, I think the, the, the best part about last night was our two stars played like stars mm-hmm. and our role players, when given opportunities, hit big shots like. Caleb McConnell hit that corner three when he was yeah. wide open, which was huge. Paul hit a couple threes when he was wide open, which was huge. Andre Hyatt started the game really rough. Like he had two really ugly turnovers to start the game, but then he came back, had a, a really huge and one late in the game. Mm-hmm. Like they are getting contributions from their secondary scorers, which we weren't getting early in the season. So mm-hmm. if we can take the load off of Gio and, and Ron, as we kind of get into big 10 play and those guys can step up when they're called upon this team, has a chance of making the tournament still, but they need these kind of efforts in a consistent manner. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, you know, the one Achilles heel for Rutgers has been consistently shooting shooting the ball well. Um, they they still haven't shot the ball well from the foul line. Um, yep. but in overall, you know, th- in, in three point uh, percentage, they're like thirty two percent overall in the season. But they actually lead the Big Ten uh, right now, currently at forty six percent. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. See if they can keep keep that up. Uh, but yeah, like you said, the you know Caleb, Paul, you know Cliff played played well last night. Um, it'll be big for the bench guys, you know, to come in and play well. Um, they haven't really got any production, you know. As and, and like you said, you know Rutgers 
Um, you know, you know, I'm I'm sure Ron and Gio and Caleb and Paul, like they're gonna get tired out at some point. You know, they're gonna have to have you know the rest of the teammates come in and, and do some damage. So um if they want to beat you know the big teams consistently, they're gonna need you know added production from from other guys on the team. But yeah, they played extremely well last night. Um I know I know Peckle was asked about, you know, is it the best they've ever played? And Peckle goes, Yeah, you know, they played well, but they could play better. So I mean, you know, I, I guess the coach is never satisfied, but you know, they they combined for what was it, 47 points last night. So it was, it was they were just you know unconscious. Now at at one point, uh, you know, Gio was kind of you know was was kind of heat checking himself, but uh, yeah, Ron I think was like five for six from three. So it was it was good to see them really shoot the ball well, but they had to do it consistently also. Do I want to play devil's advocate here? <laughs> Uh yeah, go for it. Oh, you you always do. So I I know I I just I tend to I, I tend to look at the I guess yeah damn I do actually. That's kind of, <laughs> kind of sad. Um, I know like they don't have their whole team like they had like it's a good win yes yeah. I'm not gonna negate that they played phenomenal, but the fact that they only beat them by seven eight eight points mm-hmm. eight, yeah. and they were missing three four players I think four players actually. It's it's tough because like yeah they're not starters who cares like no that's the basketball's a team sport at the end of the day mm-hmm. number one number two they're playing a walk on in Juwan Howard's son at one point um and, and like it's not like these kids are nobodies like Brandon Johns is a kid that lit up Rutgers for twenty something like last year the year before I forget what it was mm-hmm. um the other two are key contributors too like it, it's a good win yes but if you're not getting forty seven points out of these out of Baker and Harper every night you're not winning these games absolutely. And I, I don't know what the um, idolization is of Andre Hyatt. I would have played Jaden Jones over him after that questionable shot that or questionable play that uh, Mike was talking about. Um, a lot Mag barely played. That's the other guy thing. Like, this is like, yeah. you look at these minutes, this is like a Tom Thibodeau type lineup that he had mm-hmm. last night, like 39 minutes for Geo. This man yeah. is injury prone as hell, and you're right. going to play him 39 minutes. Right. That can't happen every game. Right. Yeah, outside of, and that's why I mentioned, uh, you know, the other other guys need need to step up. They're gonna get yeah. tired out. Um, and and going back to Mag, he he got he had some dental stuff again. So he was he went he was at the dentist last oh night. Oh goodness! So yeah, out of outside of the starters, only one guy got double digit playing time last night, and that was Hyatt in terms mm-hmm. of minutes. There was only two guys that had more than nine points. That's what I'm saying. Like they they need like Chris is right. They need to fucking step up. And Cliff, yeah. the fuck are these? Dude, we might talked about before we started. There's just one play where, oh, nice. Quiff, Quiff got the ball in the paint. Quiff does a little move. Quiff misses. Quiff gets a rebound. Yeah. Quiff, fucking 99 like, per hour fastball at the, at the rim. Yeah, it was the same Quiff like gets line, it again. Line job, yeah, yeah. fastball again. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, the funny thing is, like, when you watch a guy like Dickinson, he has a lot of the same touch problems, but he's way better at locating the ball. Like, he, how many balls did he throw, like, really hard off the backboard last night, but they just, like, you knew the angle to hit off the backboard and they went in. Like, yeah, if you, if you don't have much touch, you need to have great accuracy and like understanding how the ball bounces off the backboard and Cliff doesn't have that yet. No. And, and I think that's um, what we also talked about before. They don't have a big man coach. Technically there, if you yep. look at the coaching staff, Steve Peichel guard, Carl mm-hmm. Hobbs guard, uh, TJ Thompson guard. Uh, who else am I missing? missing Brandon, Knight. Brandon Knight, another guard. <laughs> Yep. Hire a big man coach. Like they need that. Yeah. Stop saying Stephen Hayden. He's not a big man coach. Yeah. He was, he's, he, I, I, I can't even like, I hate to knock the guy, but he was like a D2 coach. Like you need to be play with the big boys here. Look at Seton Hall. They have 
uh, I forget his last name, Grant Bis Bismile or something like that. New Jersey, like St. Pat's or St. Elizabeth, one of the two, I forget what it was. Played for one of those like big parochial Catholic schools, dominate it. Now look at Seton Hall. They have a dominant big man after dominant big man after dominant big man. Yep. Like you, you need to invest in a big man coach. You don't have Jay Young anymore. Like mm -hmm. you can't keep doing this. You might have to go out. Like I know Mike said it before. You have to go outside your circle a little bit. You can't just keep going and hiring guard after guard after guard after guard. Like, yes, we get it. Your guards are great. That's phenomenal. You don't have a goddamn big man. And you didn't even have a backup big man last night. Again. Yeah. Because the one you recruited kind of sucks. Yeah. It's, so I, he, I think uh, Ralph Ag Gonzalez is hurt, right? Yeah, Gonzalez, AG, whatever his name is. Um, he had a he had a family thing, but he he just got back uh, okay. like a day or so ago. So he was, yeah, him and I know him and uh, Palmquist didn't play, but yeah, uh, I'm sure once I'm sure next game you'll probably see AG, uh, you know, get some minutes. You don't have a choice. I mean, what are you gonna yeah. do? You just play small ball, I guess. I don't even I don't even know what you do. Like it's it's mm -hmm. questionable. Dean Reber's playing contributing minutes, and they're they're okay, I guess. But, yeah, I, I was very tempted after the biggest thing I took away from this game, and I, I think you read it in my little recap, I wanted to give K.O. McConnell the player of the game so bad. Yes. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for Geo dropping 27, like, just this close to giving K.O. that player of the game. He did everything. There was, like, a possession where he had that and one. Very next mm -hmm. possession, he runs down the court playing defense, on-ball defense on uh, Eli Brooks, perfect. Makes him chuck up a stupid shot, gets the rebound, he gets hit with an elbow on the rebound where you saw him, like, step up real quick mm -hmm. then proceeds to go back down i forget what they did on the offensive side then comes back takes an offensive charge and it's just like what the fuck man this yeah uh, i'm a i'm a big i'm a big caleb fan i'm a big fan of this game i'm big i'm big i'm big i'm a big defense and hustle guy so if, if you do that then you get my you know props all day long and i know he didn't yeah. deal last night so i don't know if he's still in the lead for the conference but he was um he i know yes yeah i I think he was, yeah, like, yeah, he was leading the conference. He was. I don't know if he, um, but he didn't have any last night for this box gotcha. score. So yeah, no, know. he didn't have. I think Ron had like three, but like, yeah. but like, but like, technically, like Caleb kind of, kind of caused the steals, even though, even though he True. didn't get credit, you know, he yeah. didn't get credited with them. It's tough. He does a lot that doesn't pop up in the box score. Sure. Like. Absolutely, it's like it's like Paul sometimes is the same way. He's kind of a, he's kind of a greedy guy. Paul needs to embrace that role. Yeah, he he has it, sixty. I didn't realize he has sixty assists. He like. Lead, lead the team by like a wide one. He's his assist to turnover ratio has been fantastic lately. I wrote that in a, in a yeah. article. Mike, Mike as well. said he surpassed the 200, uh, 200 mark. Yeah, 200 assists. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I'm super happy for Caleb because he's been such a huge part of the, the Pike rebuild. Um, he had a really rough start to the season. Like his mm -hmm. first like five or six games, he was shooting like, I think it was eight for 37 to start the season. And he's like made a massive turnaround and He's just like a very efficient offensive player. Like he doesn't take a ton of shots, but typically when he gets the ball, he knows, you know, if I'm wide open, I need to take the shot and I need to be confident in taking the shot because that's what the team expects out of me. They don't, they don't mm -hmm. expect the offense to roll through me, but if I get that shot, I need to take it. And he does lead the team in terms of defense. Like the, the best players are guarded by Caleb. Like that's just yep. kind of the way it is. And I, another interesting thing I noticed, and we've talked about this as well, they're playing Ron a lot in like small ball lineups as the center. Mm -hmm. And he's doing a decent job of at least like disrupting shots, like not making it easy on big men down the paint, which would be huge for him in terms of his NBA prospects, because that's, he's kind of a tweener. Like he's not really a, a small forward and he's not really a power forward. So he's yeah. going to need to have kind of like a, like a hybrid role and kind of demonstrate that. So I'm glad Pike is giving him the opportunity to, to show he has those abilities. Um, 
the last night, another weird thing, they they had a lot of like end of the shot clock, like prayer shots that went they in. Did. They did. Yeah. And so like that is not consistent. That's not going to carry over. So they do need to still get a little better at shot selection and kind of having an offense that flows and, you know, funnels the ball to an open shooter right. and not like, oh shit, there's seven seconds left on the shot clock. Mm-hmm. Like how many times do you think the crowd helped them by chanting like six, but like to right. know like this, you need to get a shot up. <clears throat> and they, and they got lucky making a couple of those. I remember, I know Ron made one, Gio made one, yep. I think. Yeah. So Ron's was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. He was like on his back foot, like shit. Yeah prayer that was yeah. like a 24 footer too yeah it was it was absolutely ridiculous and one thing i wanted to talk about too that we didn't really harp on that much mm-hmm. someone said on the on the boards they're like yeah like cliff needs to get back in the strength and conditioning room like yeah like it's so hard like you're not gonna be facing a 290 pound center every day of the week like in, yeah, in, the, in the in the big 10 you know every team basically has a, i mean yeah it's only kind of like dickinson and Coburn, from what I can tell, really, because like John yeah. Harrar is not two ninety or anywhere near mm-hmm. like their size. Um, e- Ed EJ Williams and Purdue. I mean, they they beat Williams. Them. Yeah, EJ Waddell's nowhere near, and he's he's damn damn good. Like mm-hmm. he might be one of the best players in. He is the best player in, in conference, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's a close one. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I stop overrating the strength and conditioning aspect. He played pretty well. He he needs to learn the game more. Sure. offensively and then in terms of boxing out he could have so many more rebounds if he just put his body on a box out he's boxing out ghosts half the time <laughs> yeah like, and you can't really build mu- muscle and strength in season like that is something that happens in the off season like you can maintain it there's no way you're going to be able to build muscle during the season especially with how cardio intensive basketball is like you can't do it right yeah, and, and when you play, you know, three games in six days, six seven days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Help either. yeah, but like, like everyone keeps talking about, it. yeah, he had back to back games of twelve rebounds. He should have had at least like seventeen against Central Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many like box outs he misses, and it's just like I don't know if he's just not, if he doesn't know like to put his body on somebody. If that's the lack of a big man coach not being on the staff or whatever it is, that that needs to be adjusted and that needs to be fixed. And you could have a goddamn dominant center night in and night out if you just fix the little things like that. Yeah, going back to his, you know, line drive hook shots, if he, if, if he can learn some some post moves, uh, he, uh, he, you know, he could be dangerous. You know, it's, it seems like when he gets the ball in the post, like he doesn't know what to do with it. So. It's it's athleticism. It's either mm-hmm. dunking from outside the cylinder, which yeah. is wild. But, yeah, his, uh, his dunks are like he has crazy long arms, super athletic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like he's so he can jump out the building. He just needs yeah. to develop a post move, like anything. And mm-hmm. I, I don't even know like what you attribute that to. And that goes back to the coach again. Like you need a big man coach. This offseason, that should be the biggest priority. I'm telling you, and I said it like two podcasts ago. I think he went to that uh, Nigerian national team camp and fucking Mike Woodson's like, what the fuck? Did they teach you anything? Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, like his potentials through the roof. They just have to develop him a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. and that's another guy. You can't be playing your starting center 35 minutes. Yep, for sure. Bad. <laughs> so the month of January is going to be huge for Rutgers. So between now and February 5th, we play eight games. None of them are against ranked opponents. We get Nebraska twice. We get Northwestern. We get Maryland twice. We get Iowa and we get Minnesota and Penn State. So mm-hmm. this is a stretch. They don't play any ranked teams in this stretch until uh, they play uh, Michigan, Mi- State. Michigan State on the 10th or on the 5th. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to be a uh, an NCAA team, this is a stretch where we need to start cleaning up on wins, especially road wins, because 
in that same stretch, five of the next eight games are on the road, which mm-hmm. typically have not been an area of strength for this team. This is going to be the make or break month for Rutgers. If yeah. they go six and two in that eight game stretch, we have a legitimate shot at making the, the tournament. If they go four and four, we're probably out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I touched on that also at the very bottom of the article that I wrote up this morning. Um, yeah, I mean, Rutgers, you know, going going by the net rankings, Rutgers is 122nd right now. Um, only Nebraska, the Big Ten is behind them in the, in the 200s. Um, you know, they're very, very winnable games coming up. Uh, all those teams you mentioned, Rutgers currently is ahead of them in the Big Ten standings. Um, but it's obviously it's only only a couple of games in. Um, but net wise, all all those teams are ahead of Rutgers. So uh, it definitely won't be easy, but it's good to kind of get a break from the ranked teams. You know, coming into the season, uh, you know, Michigan, Purdue and Illinois were, you know, the top three consensus teams. Um, so, you know, they went two and one against those teams, which is, you know, a really good sign. Um, obviously, Michigan's maybe not what it was supposed to be, but they're still very, a very good team. Um, but, yeah, you got to take care of business. You, you can't lose to Nebraska. Um, you can't, you know, you know, you had Northwestern coming up. So, I mean, Rutgers is eight and one at home and zero and four on the road. So like, and like, and like I said, like, uh, you know, playing on the road has been, you know, not one of Rutgers strengths lately. And in the past couple of seasons, they've always been a really good home team. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to definitely pick up some, some road victories, which again, will obviously help with the NCAA tournament hoops. Yeah. You can't, if you lose one of these Nebraska games, I'd, I'd probably wrap yeah. it up right there. This is a bad Nebraska team. Um, after that, this Penn State team is not as bad as people think. They just beat Indiana pretty handedly. Like, mm. I mean, it was a close score in the end, but they they handled them pretty well. They're a very good defensive team. Um, their new head coach, Michael Shrewsbury, has got these guys playing on another level. Um, they're tall and lengthy, too. They just don't mm. have a legit big man, whereas that's where Cliff is going to have to attack John Harara a little bit. After Harara, they – I forget who the backup big is. It's it's no one really that good, I don't think. But uh, – Maryland's on a down year. You got to beat those two. Yeah, they just lost twice. their coach a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago too, which yeah. I mean, for, if you talk to a Maryland fan, that might be a huge benefit. That they love it doesn't sound like anybody really liked Turgeon. Yeah, I don't. Know. I never understood that. Like, I like. I think Mark Turgeon is a good coach. I don't understand. Yeah, they, they hated him for some reason. Yeah. Um, your Iowa one's going to be tough. It's home mm-hmm. though, so you have a shot. Eight thirty mm-hmm. on a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, they usually play Iowa tough, even though Iowa scores like crap ton of points. Yeah, and then Minnesota is one of the best teams in the conference. I think they're ten and two, ten and three, something like that. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, but they're they're ten and two, but uh, they're one and two in conference. Mm-hmm. So who they lose to? I I would just I was won four straight. I wrote and then they just beat Maryland on on, yeah, on Monday, so, Tuesday, Monday. Tuesday. So Minnesota's last game, they lost by twenty three to Illinois at home. Mm-hmm. We also got our doors blown off. Yeah, that was Illinois, like 86, so. 51 or something like that. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> if you want to make the tournament, you got to win eight of these next – or six of these next eight. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty Yeah, they've wow. kind of put themselves in kind of situa- like a bad situation. Like <clears throat> they, they dug themselves into a hole, basically. You know, they didn't play well, even the, you know, the games they won, and then they lost close games to you know, DePaul. You, you know, UMass was a killer. Lafayette, you know, that was just a really terrible loss there. You know, Lafayette's net ranking is like in the 300. So, I mean, yeah, they got to, you know, do some damage still in the Big Ten season to have a, to give themselves a shot. Yeah, the, the Purdue win, I know someone else said it. I think Andy Katz or like uh, one of those bracketologists, it, it's pure gold for them right now. And that's, that's mm-hmm. what they're going to ride on if they're going to make this tournament. 
Um, it, it's going to be tough. It, they're going to have to play lights out for the rest of the season, pretty much. And it's without like other guys scoring, it's, it's right. going to be scary. It's going to yeah. be a scary, uh, scary year. We'll see what happens. Yep. That's why this next game is so important. Hopefully we get a comfortable lead so we can get the, the role players, the young guys in the game into situations where they can become more comfortable. Cause I feel like there might just be a lack of confidence with some of the young guys. Like, Jaden Jones is probably the most physically talented player on the team, but every time he gets the ball, he doesn't look like he like has confidence in like taking an open shot or like, you know, getting a handoff and like taking two dribbles and taking a pull up. Like he doesn't look comfortable right now. Cause he and gets that's, taken out after one stupid play. And it's like, you gotta let the freshman rock. Look at Jalen Miller. You wanted to register yep. him and now look at him. Mm-hmm. Just let yep. these guys run, let them go. Like, loosen the um the leash a little bit on the rotation like stop making it like very adamant of these five have to play 30 minutes a game like you can make a, a couple of uh, substitutions here and there so sub yeah. out guys sub out Hyatt when he does something stupid don't don't give him another 15 minutes yeah yeah no, yep. I know I know Pike always talks about how he likes his veteran guys um but I think I think I mean, the formula is working kind of right now, you know, the last three games. It's tough to argue um, now, yeah. Yeah, but they definitely need, you know, they can't, you know, that it, it's a long season. Other guys, have, we've been, you know, talking about, they got, you know, other guys are going to have to step up for sure. So. So, we'll see. Yep. What else we got? Uh, that's really all. Uh, actually, there is one more thing I want to talk about. So, wrestling had the, the Matt Men Open. Uh, previously or also may be known as the uh the midlands midlands got canceled this year and then that and took over uh what would have been the field Rutgers had a pretty strong showing i think we finished fifth at the the matman um but a few of our wrestlers had some really nice showings uh bullzuk won at 197 over the ncaa finalists from last year pause one rivera won uh, now we have three wrestlers in the top five there's three that i mentioned uh, I think we have a, a home duel with Indiana on Friday, if yeah. I remember correctly. Uh, just kick off Big Ten play. I think that's our first Big Ten match, right? I believe so. Yeah, you're right. Um, no, they, they played. They did really, really well. And the two guys that, like, no one wants to talk about or no one really talks about because Bullsick was the, the main event right there. But uh, Oliveri and uh, White, they both finished fifth and fourth, respectively, or fourth and fifth, or vice versa. I forget what it was. Mm-hmm. But they did very, very well. Um, it kind of shows you that these redshirt freshmen are going to be ready for future, and the future for this program is bright. It is insane how many good guys they have. Um, this year, and I think we said it preseason, this might be their best overall team ever. Mm-hmm. Um, from top to bottom, they, they have guys that could win matches they're not supposed to, like Volsic, for example. He, I don't think anyone saw him winning that one. And then he defeats no. the runner-up, a national championship runner-up, and it's like, holy shit, maybe they do have a contender at that weight. Add in pause, add in Rivera, and it's like, all right, now we just need a couple other guys to just make some noise. And it's like, all right, let's see what happens. Yeah, and we're 10 and 0 right now in terms of dual record. This is a team that could go like 17, 18, 17 and 4, 18 and 3. Like we have some tough, tough matchups on the schedule, but I mean we've got only three matchups with top 10 programs in Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Those are probably gonna be losses because three, two of the three are on the road, but yeah, I mean, teams like Wisconsin, who's ranked 17th, Illinois is ranked 21st. Like, those are teams that we should beat this year. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't. Um, 
I know Lex kind of commented on everything on the board. Uh, Alvarez is a little dinged up, so we'll see what happens there. Um, Jackson <clears throat> Turley's dealing with some stuff still. Um, they did, but they have dudes like they have dudes that could kind of step up, and it's like, all right, well, that's it's basically just uh, let's see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Yep. So uh, I think they play, I think they have how many matches at home this year? They got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven remaining duels at home. Uh, I'm sure that they, the wrestling program would love to see you guys out there. Um, we have one of the best home crowds in all of college wrestling. Uh, it's going to be a great team. We have some really exciting matches coming up for the wrestling team. So keep, uh, keep listening in for that. Um, but I don't really have anything else. You guys got any final Send off messages for Rutgers fans for this week's episode. Uh, not really. Uh, I hope everyone had a happy, happy holidays. I guess. Uh, you know, a happy New Year to everybody as well. So. Yeah, yes. uh, Chris said it. Happy New Year, everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. The Grand Marriage sucks. <laughs> oh man, you got it. You got it. You, you got to get that in. I guess, huh? Yeah, yes. everybody. Everybody now take a sip of your drink because the uh, the Grand Marriage <laughs> drinking game has uh has hit on the bingo card. Yep. He, he was, <laughs> he's pretty bad. He's uh he's not a good quarterback. Um, that's all I got. Davison Igbenosin committing Saturday. We think, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, other than that, do, do, do Danny Hernandez article, QB trainer, Gavin Wimsat, talking Wimsat, talking Bryce Young, talking Malik Murphy. Interesting. Uh, what else? What else? What else? We should see a coaching hire or coaching leading sometime soon. Yeah. I have a I have a football article from the bowl game coming up. I wrote another one, another basketball article like I've, I've been talking about. So, uh, yeah, you know, look out for that stuff, you know, this week or next week. did get a, an interesting – we did start following an interesting uh, guy who entered the portal today, JMU receiver Antoine Wells. He had a really – he's a redshirt freshman, and he had, like, a stupid stat line this year. Like, in terms of receiving – he had – Here's a stat line as a redshirt freshman at JMU. 83 catches, 1,250 yards, and 15 touchdowns. Jeez. Total stud. Second team All-American. He's from Virginia. Uh, what school? James Madison. Oh, all right. It's... They're one of the top 10 programs mm -hmm. in, in the FCS, but he's from Richmond, Virginia. That's, that's going to be a tough one. Yep. Watch out for uh, Tony Elliott and Brent Pry on that one. Yep. Uh, not many New Jersey guys entering the portal, which is kind of surprising. There was a guy who went to Buffalo, I believe, who Chris ended up Marino? at, I think. He, oh, no, not Chris Marino. Um, shit, I know his name too. Yeah, he, he, he committed, committed to, to, yes, he committed to Missouri. Rutgers didn't show any interest in him. No, he's um, not Michael Miani though, and Rutgers obviously doesn't like Miani's. Yeah, uh, but he was from North Jersey. I think he was from Wayne. Wayne Hills, uh, Wayne, Wayne Valley. Wayne Hills. He went. He played with um, Tyler, the Hikes. So that would have been potentially a night. He didn't really grade well on PFF. Uh, he's played a lot though, and obviously, if he can play in the SEC, he could probably play here. But I'm not according. I'm not going to get into it. Ah, oh, my Eddie man, declaring for an NBA NFL draft. Jeez. Yeah. He's a good. He one was. Though. He was like second team All American this year. He was really good. If I'm Chris, I, Hatch, I hang my hat on that one. Mm -hmm. I, got I got him. But, <laughs> and Corsac. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yo, by the way, did you see that? You know, the, the Adam Corsac video yesterday? 
Like I, I didn't I didn't realize that that dude really gets like incredibly pumped up for the, for, for the games. That was that was pretty wild. You know, sc- you, sc- you, screaming in the tunnel. So. If you punt like eight times, ten times a game, you'd be pretty hyped too. Yeah. What I don't I don't get why he's coming back. Like he could probably land an NFL job potentially right now. And I mean, he's only mm-hmm. gonna get. I think he's older anyway. I think he's like twenty four. Yeah, so. something like that. He he just wants that Ray Guy award, dude. That's all it is. Is that it? He likes he like he always says he loves Rutgers. He likes the coaches. He likes being yeah. on the team. He likes teammates. So I mean, it's it's, it's weird because like I get it. Like some people argue his style won't transfer well to the NFL. It's going to be fine. It's not a big deal. I just don't understand either why he came back. Like it's like oh okay I guess mm-hmm. yeah. I mean I'm thrilled that he's going to be back. He's probably the front runner for the Ray guy. And I thought I think the Ray guy award is like not really a nuanced award like the guy from san diego state won it just because he like kicks it really far like how many fucking touchbacks that guy have like yeah sure that ball traveled this distance in the air but you have no precision on it you're just like booming it into the third row cool Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. uh it's it's a shame that of course i didn't get it yeah yeah those damn ray guy voters i hate them yeah (laughs) good thing there's none (laughs) in this chat so we can bash all of them yeah, yeah I, I, I bet I bet the vote was one off, and you know someone someone else uh, on this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I don't know if I can reveal my vote. I did my job. There you go. So I mean, yeah. I might have showed a little bias there, but whatever. I mean, the other guy, the other finalist was was you know another team someone else covered. So who knows? Oh, who yeah, I'm not saying stout. I voted him second, but voted him second. There you go. Okay. <laughs> he's pretty he's good you can't lie he, he was good against Rutgers. he's pretty damn mm-hmm. good too and that guy did place kicking too for them mm-hmm. and kickoffs mm-hmm. oh really that's yep. like the, the pat mcafee special yeah i could see him getting drafted actually or well picked up i don't know if they draft punters anymore occasionally i think okay. michael okay. dixon was the guy who went the highest recently the guy from texas who's now with seattle he's also australian uh he's a total stud i think he went in like the fourth round even it was wild huh. interesting Yep. but yeah that's, that's all i got cool all right guys thanks for tuning in uh we don't know i don't think we're going to do a regular like weekly schedule moving forward uh outside of the football season this won't be the last you've heard of us uh probably this month but uh if you don't see a pod in your feed next week it's because this is kind of going to be more sporadic moving forward until things kind of pick back up But thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.